take two, take two, and we are live. This is the Canada Hoops Daily Presents Wrap It Up Podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander. A little bit of technical difficulties there off the front end as the power just like went off in my house. Everything just went and shut down. That was really weird. But we're back because it's a big day in Raptor land, so we have to break it down. A huge win by your Toronto Raptors as they defeat the Miami Heat 121 to 97, but an even bigger day as there is a massive trade that went down as Pascal Siakam has been sent to the Indiana Pacers. A bunch of stuff to talk about here. This trade is highlighted by three first round picks coming back to the Toronto Raptors in exchange for Pascal Siakam. There's some players involved too, and we'll talk about that. Most importantly, probably Bruce Brown, who could be rerouted somewhere else towards the deadline. Who knows? The bottom line, lots to talk about. And before the first time we tried to do this tonight, before the power went out, I was asking the people, do we want to talk about the trade first or do we want to talk about this Miami Heat game first? Because the Toronto Raptors, I mean, they did the complete opposite of what they did during the day that the OG Ananobi trade happened. If you remember, the Raps traded for OG, traded away OG Ananobi and then went out and lost to the Detroit Pistons. That was the thing that happened. Ending the Pistons' record-setting losing streak well tonight the raptors playing without pascal siakam after trading him away they go out and drop 41 in the first quarter on the miami heat and don't really look back they ran away with this one as it was just three-pointer after three-pointer after three-pointer for the raps they come away with the big win but the people want to talk about the trade and it's been a hectic day like for the raps obviously for pascal siakam for Darko, lots going on. But of course, like the other reason, and this is so funny how this started here as I started the pod, the pod goes down as the power goes down in my house. But like just a hectic day all around as, you know, I talk about it a bit on this pod, but I work for Sportsnet and I do the openings. I produce the openings for the game and the pregame shows for every Raptor game that's on Sportsnet. And today, obviously, working on the t- working on the opening. All right, everything's plugging along. And then at 2.18, Woj decides to tweet out that Pascal Siakam's been traded. And it's like, oh, okay, the two days of work I've done, we're scrapping that, let's go. We got to reboot it. And we got only a couple hours to get something to air. That is fun. That's why you work in TV. That's why you work in live TV, because that rush, nothing beats it. So I'm still fired up despite all that, despite the rush to get everything to air, despite the fact of rushing to get the podcast up, having it shut down, and now we're back up doing it again. We're here to break it all down because we love Raptors basketball. And where else would you rather be? What else would you rather be talking about? So again, if you're in the comment section here, three places you can watch the show live after each and every Toronto Raptors game. First place you can watch it is on the YouTube page. Just go to Canada Hoops Daily, like the video, make sure you bless us with the like. Also subscribe to the page. That way you get an alert every time we're up live after the game. Same thing goes for Instagram. Follow the account at Canada Hoops Daily and on the app formerly known as Twitter, at Can Hoops Daily. 
That's how you get this podcast live after each and every Toronto Raptors game. But most importantly, interact and be a part of the show because this is your show, people. We want to hear from you, especially when we're talking about something like this where another massive trade in Raptorland as, wow, it's just craziness, craziness, craziness going on in Raptorland. So we want to hear from you. So if you're listening to this live, send in your comments and questions. I will read those comments and those questions live on the show. And the people said they wanted to talk about the trade because it was a massive, massive trade for the Toronto Raptors. And let's just get into the trade here because Pascal Siakam, right? I'll start here. I'll start here because we want to always talk about winners and losers and who won the trade. And I feel like a lot of the narrative that I've seen so far, especially from Raptors fans, has been, that's it. Only three first round picks. How come we weren't able to get any young players? There were rumors, obviously, about Matherin. There are rumors about Nemhard. Rumors like maybe could you throw in some Obi Toppin in there? Like there are just so many rumors floating around about who was possibly coming the other way for the Toronto Raptors from the Indiana Pacers. They wanted Jairus Walker. Like, there's so many things. But what I will say is that here's a reminder, okay? The Raptors had no leverage in this situation. I think the Raptors are lucky that they were able to get three first-round picks for what could be 40 games of Pascal Siakam. Right? Like we're at the midway point of the regular season, right? And Pascal Siakam is a free agent this offseason. Also, add in the rumors. Now, we don't know what's true. We just know that it's been reported, right? It's been reported that Pascal Siakam, through his agent, teams that were inquiring with the Raptors trying to get him, they were making it known, well, he doesn't plan to re sign with your team. So if you're the other team, and you're trading for Pascal Siakam, why would you be giving up any of your good players when there's no guarantee that you'd be getting him for more than 40 games? So I know that people want the Raptors to get more. They wanted to see, you know, all these other names maybe come back the other way. Obviously getting Matherin, who's a young stud and a Canadian kid as well. That would have been dope to have. I understand that. Nemhard, I mean... I don't know if they were ever really giving up Nemhard. If you remember, they gave him a massive contract, especially for a second round pick. So clearly he's someone that they really like. So again, what realistically were the Raptors going to get from anyone in terms of a young player that a team would want to give up when there's no guarantee you'd be getting Pascal Siakam for more than 40 games? It just didn't make sense. So you can say, hey, they should have gotten something. They should have done this. They should have done that. But the reality is, if you think the Raptors lost this deal in getting three first-round picks, they lost this deal last summer. They lost this deal last year when they could have gotten more for Pascal Siakam, but they decided to hold on to him. Now at this point, with the scenario being what it is in terms of Again, midway through the season, Pascal Siakam, you know, being a free agent in a couple months this summer, and you're able to get three first round picks for him. That's a dub. I don't see how that can be looked at as anything but a dub. Again, dealing with this scenario as it is right now. 
if you want to look at it and say they lost this deal, really they lost a deal in the summer. They lost a deal last year because you could have gotten more then, but that's gone. You can only deal with the present and the scenario that was placed in front of Masai Jiri right now. And the things that you were hearing about, like, you know, getting Harrison Barnes and less picks, like the top end talent, a young talent that people wanted, you were never going to get for Pascal Siakam unless he was going to sign with the team you were trading him to. And he wants the max. So now how many teams are out there that are willing to sign him for the max? Because Sacramento has a whole bunch of money tied up in De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis. Plus, people wanted Keegan Murray. Cool. But why would Sacramento give up Keegan Murray, who's a young stud, who you don't have to pay yet, for Pascal Siakam to then sign him for max money? That math doesn't add up. That never made sense. So you were going to get deals where it's like vet players to match salaries and maybe a pick. The other part of this trade, from my viewpoint anyways, is that the New York Knicks drastically have, have altered the way that Raptors fans were going to view the Pascal Siakam trade. What I mean by that is only the New York Knicks, right? Like, let's go through the history of the New York Knicks and the Toronto Raptors, or even the Masai Ujiri relationship with said New York Knicks. Because if you remember the Carmelo Anthony trade, where they gave up all their assets to get Carmelo when they could have just waited and got him in the offseason and kept their assets and kept the strength of their team, right? Remember, they vetoed the Kyle Lowry trade because, because they were still salty over trading for Andrea Bargiani. Now, our longtime Raptor fans, you know, if we go back before the championship run, if you remember the Andrea Bargiani scenario, the fact that the New York Knicks gave up a first-round pick for Andrea Bargnani was insane. But it happened. So I bring all this up to say there's a history of Masai Ujiri, whether in Denver or with the Raptors, taking advantage of the New York Knicks. And this isn't, this isn't like you know revisionist history because I said it when the trade happened that it didn't make sense to me from the New York Knicks side of things because R.J. Barrett, and Emmanuel quickly are probably better than OG and Anobi. Each one of them. And you got both of them for OG. That made no sense to me. But I feel like that viewpoint of seeing what you were able to get for OG and Anobi then altered the expectations of what Raptor fans were going to get for an expiring contract. Because OG and Anobi expiring contract. The fact that you were able to turn OG and Anobi, Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn into a second round pick, which is really a first round pick because it's a Pistons second round pick. The fact you were able to get that pick plus Emmanuel quickly plus RJ Barrett. Again, you just traded a starter for two starters, right? So the fact that you were able to get that, that altered the viewpoint of what your expectations were for a Pascal Siakam trade. Masai Ujiri was trying to value getting players for picks. He was able to work this scenario with the Knicks because the Knicks were in a very desperate mode to get OG. They needed a defender to go into the playoffs to try to guard Tatum and Brown, to try to guard Giannis, to try to make a move. They knew they needed a defender. They were just in a different need 
Then add in the agent factor where OG's agent is the son of the New York Knicks president. Like all of those things led into that terrible trade for the Knicks. And again, I'm saying it's terrible now. And I'm, I'm saying that, you know, going forward because they're going to sign OG to a whole lot of money that clearly the Raptors did not have interest in signing him to. So I say all that to say when we look at this Pascal Siakam trade, yes, if you're Masai, I'm sure that he also tried to do the same thing where instead of getting picks, could he get young players that he could piece around Scotty Barnes and now Scotty Barnes, RJ Barrett, and Emmanuel Quickly? Could he get young players for Pascal Siakam that could fit with that core that they could ride out into whatever this next era of Raptors basketball is? I'm sure he tried to do that. Keegan Murray would fit that timeline really well. But again, if I'm the Sacramento Kings, why would I give up that young asset for 40 games of Pascal Siakam? Doesn't make sense. So the expectations were thrown through the roof in terms of what you were going to get. So when you're talking about 40 games of Pascal and you got three first round picks that you can either, there's a world in which if the Raptors finish in the bottom six, they have their own pick at six, and then these two picks from this year's draft as well. So you could be talking about three first-round picks this season, right? This offseason, this summer. If you have Scotty Barnes, Emmanuel Quickly, R.J. Barrett, and then three first-round picks in this year's draft, I don't care what year the draft is. You can tell me this draft is good, this draft is bad. In every single draft, there are guys who can play and contribute to your NBA team. So that just comes down to your scouting and how much you trust your scouts. And I know, and you know from watching the Raptors, there's a history of doing really well in the draft. Now, I know Grady, we can have that conversation another day. He looked okay today. At least he showed signs of life. We know Coloco's doing dealing with some health issues. Cool. But overall, in the Masai Ujiri era, one thing you can say is that they win the draft. So if you're telling me you can go into this summer with three first-round picks for Pascal Siakam, who could have walked away for nothing, that's a dub. So, again, if you think they lost the deal, I think they lost the deal in the summer. They lost the deal last year. Right now, in the scenario that they were in, you're able to get three first-round picks for 40 games of Pascal. That's a win. So, Masai Jiri, yeah. That's a win right there. It's tough because Pascal Siakam, I know Raptors fans, they'll always have a soft spot for Pascal Siakam because of everything that he meant to the organization. The fact that, you know, you found him, right? Pascal Siakam came into the NBA with people not really knowing much about him at all. Like, I remember that draft night and having to go online to then search and look up his highlights, his college highlights, and be like, okay. My guy hustles. He averages almost 10 rebounds a game. Like, so those are stats. Okay. He's a hustle guy. He can be a rotation guy. Okay. Okay. And then he came in, he worked hard. He was a key cog in the Raptors development program that, you know, breeded Fred Van Fleet, Pascal Siakam, Norm Powell, OG Ananobi, like key rotation guys that obviously were a part of you accumulating all these assets that you were then able to turn in to a championship team. So I get all that. You watched Pascal Siakam come from being unknown to dominating in the G League 
to earning his minutes in the on the big boy team and being, you know, from the sixth man guy in the bench mob to being a starter to yet to remember Nick Nurse's first year, okay, as head coach, the championship year. If you go back a season, Kyle Lowry said in an interview that he had to beg Dwayne Casey to let Pascal Siakam dribble the ball up the floor. So think about that <laughs> to the Pascal Siakam that we ended with in terms of being an all-NBA player to being a two-time all-star, like all of the accolades that Pascal Siakam became, right? One of six Raptors to be named to the all-NBA team, one of five Raptors with multiple all-star selections, top five in wins, points, rebounds, assists, the only Raptor to record a 25-5 and five season, NBA champion, obviously, a huge part of that championship team. Like that's always going to stand out to me. Like he hit the, the, the shot that really won the game, right? The warriors were coming on in game six. They ran a play for Pascal. He beats Draymond gets the floater to go that essentially iced the game for the raps. Like Pascal Siakam is a great, 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 great story. And in terms of an asset, meaning someone that you found late in the first round, you developed through your program. He became, you know, the number two, number three guy on your championship team. You were able to see him become all NBA and all-star and earn not one, but two big boy contracts afterwards. You won on that asset if you're Masai Ujiri. So now you're able to cash that in because the other choice was, do you re-sign him and see where that team goes? I think you've gotten to see that over the last three years, where you are as a team, if he is the best player on your team. And that's not a knock. It's just a reminder. If I go back to the catchphrase from the 2019 season, there's levels to this, right? Like he's good and he's a solid player. He's an all-star, but there's levels. Is he going to be the best player on your team? Are you going to be winning multiple rounds in the playoffs? That's what Masai Jiri had to ask himself. He had to ask himself, are you in a position where you would want to re-sign Pascal to a max contract? And clearly he didn't want to do that. Pascal wanted to stay. It's just Masai, in terms of asset management, sometimes you got to make tough decisions. And this was a tough decision. He tried to let them rock last year, you know, give this core another run with the Scotty Barnes boost, see what they could do. And it just didn't work out. But overall... This is a celebration, man. Pascal Siakam is a huge, huge part of this organization going forward. I'm sure they will tire his jersey when it's all said and done. Like, it's a win. He is a part of what Raptors culture is. He might be the face. Like, if you were to write it in the dictionary in terms of drafting someone who's unknown, having them develop through your program and succeed and being able to maximize every ounce of talent just through hard work, dedication, and, and him being able to elevate his game through the foundation that was built in this organization in terms of development. It's Pascal Siakam. It's Fred Van Fleet. You won. You won through that. And now the goal, obviously, going forward is to try to do that again. Asset management. It's a tough, tough job being a GM, but that's the game Masai Ujiri is in, and that's the game he's playing here with trading Pascal Siakam for three first-round picks. It's tough. It's really tough because you look at it and you think, okay, well, 
if Pascal Siakam at this point, because people are looking at it and thinking, okay, well, how did we get quickly and RJ Barrett for OG? That's just the Knicks. And I keep urging people to do this. Do not equate what happens in normal front offices with what goes on in the New York Knicks organization. Because it's always going to be chaos. There's always going to be question marks. It's always just a weird hang. The New York Knicks front office situation, not even going to tap dance around what's going on with the headlines that are floating around about their owner right now, but suing the Raptors, but then making a trade with the Raptors and dare I say, losing a trade with the Raptors while you're suing them. It's just New York Knicks. And as I said about the o, the uh, RJ Barrett thing, right? Everyone listening to RJ, the RJ slander coming from the New York Knicks crowd. And I just urge those people to show me who is a New York Knicks player that has come through their system that they have ever been able to develop and turn into a good player. The Pascal Siakam story doesn't happen with the New York Knicks. So now we're going to trust their foundation their ability to develop players and develop talent and use that as a gauge for what RJ Barrett can be. That makes no sense to me at all. So again, when we're looking at what this Pascal Siakam trade is, you almost have to put aside the New York Knicks and what you just did in terms of getting RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly from the New York Knicks. That deal was a great deal. It was a steal and I think getting three first round picks for 40 games of Pascal Siakam is a good move. Now, the other side of this is Woj reported today on ESPN that Tyrese Halliburton has reached out to Pascal Siakam. They've had multiple conversations now, and it has Indiana feeling confident that they will be able to sign Pascal Siakam to a max deal or just sign them in the offseason. Whether it's a max or not, we'll let them sort that out. But they feel more confident in their ability to re-sign Pascal as they feel like they compare him with Tyrese Halliburton and have something going now where they can try and compete with some of those teams in the East. Do I see them as in the caliber of Boston? No. But they give Boston fits. They give the Bucks fits. Right? And Pascal's only going to help their style of play. He's just another weapon, a very good weapon in the offensive game that the, the Pacers have been doing this season. So I think it's a really good trade for the Pacers and a great move for them in the sense of you're Indiana, you're a small market team. There's similarities between some of the things that the Raptors have to deal with as well in terms of who are the free agents that you're able to sign. It's tough. Big time free agents aren't really coming to your team. So you have to try to make trades like this and get all-stars like this and try to package them, develop them, and keep them for as long as you can. Now, you might be saying, wait, 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 wait. Why couldn't that be used for the Raptors as well? Well, I would just say, of course, you could do that with Pascal, but you've just seen what that is with Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Fleet and OG Ananobi, like you saw what that was. Now it's time to try something else. And for the Pacers, plugging him in with Tyrese Halliburton, of course you give that a go. It's a good risk for them. And for them, you still maintain all the young talent you still have with Matherin. You still have the asset in Buddy Heald, who you can keep on your team and have him be a key piece of this team this year. 
and ride that out, deal with the offseason when it comes, because he is also a free agent. But they keep all their young players, Matherin and uh, Nemhard and Walker, right? So for the Pacers, and they have a lot of draft picks, by the way. They have a lot of available draft picks. So I think that's a good deal for the Indiana Pacers. And I think it's a good deal for the Toronto Raptors because of the situation you're in. Three first-round picks for Pascal. I don't know. I, I really just think that's a, a good, good deal if you're Masai Ujiri. And we keep – you have to also play this off the reminder that Fred Van Fleet walked away for nothing. Literally nothing. So I know everyone keeps posting the picture of the slam cover, right? And the slam cover that has the team post-championship. Um, and it's like, oh, everyone's gone. I'd like to make a public service announcement. Now, I understand why that picture is the one that keeps going around and people keep showing that picture because it's like, hey, look at these guys and we really love this team and look, everyone's gone. But I would like to make a public service announcement and ask everyone that instead of posting that picture, how about you post the actual championship team picture? Because that is the team that, I don't know, won a championship. Like, I don't understand why Kawhi keeps getting X'd out of all of this championship talk that Raptors fans and media do. Seriously. Why is it that when we keep talking about, oh, the championship team and we see that picture and you keep, you know, Xing out another name or, or like, you know, it's in color and then you put another person in black and white. Why do we keep using that picture? That team did not win the team the year before with, I don't know, Kawhi Leonard, the finals MVP, that team won. The reason why this irks me so much is because I have made it my duty to not allow people to besmirch or diminish Kawhi Leonard's role in winning the championship. I will be here to remind everyone, they don't win the championship. They don't even come close without Kawhi Leonard. So you can like that team the next year that lost to the Boston Celtics, and that's cool, and that's all right. But guess what? You had other teams that made it to the second round before, and you don't celebrate them and look back at that core like, oh my gosh, blah, blah, blah. And again, that's one year removed from the championship. There are pictures that we can easily find of, I don't know, the trophy presentation where everyone's sitting in on the, the podium and they take the group picture. Like, why isn't that the photo that gets shared and you X out people's faces, you know, who's not here on the team anymore? Why is it always the picture of the year after when Kawhi's not there? The reason this irks me, I'm going to take this back to, is it Pound Cake? Pound Cake is a song, Drake featuring Jay-Z, which might be my favorite Drake song, but when I came to the realization that it's probably more a Jay-Z song than it is a Drake song, even though it's Drake featuring Jay-Z, my point is, in that track, Jay-Z listed, he lists, Dave made millions, Biggs made millions, Lior made millions, Cam made millions, Beans to tell you if he wasn't in his feelings. Listen, look at that same picture that you guys want to keep sharing all the time. Kawhi made all those man's millions. Add in Nick Nurse, add in Masai Ujiri, all those man's Kawhi made millions for. 
I don't understand why we have to like not put Kawhi Leonard in all the talk all the time. We discuss, hey, that team doesn't exist anymore and everyone's gone from that team. Does anyone have any answers for me? Why it is that we keep sharing that picture from the year after the championship as if like that team accomplished more than the team that won the championship? Just a subtle reminder to make sure if you ever have time, if you ever forget, just pick out any game from that Philadelphia 76er series and go through and just type in Kawhi Leonard highlights. Pick whatever game you'd like. Pick game one, game two, game three, game four. Maybe even pick game seven. And don't even worry about the four bounce. You know, the shot that's probably the greatest shot in the history of professional sports. Just look at the rest of the game where everybody else was shook and Kawhi Leonard was shooting every single shot possible to drag the Raptors past a team that had Ben Simmons when he was still good at basketball, Joel Embiid, who's now an MVP, Jimmy Butler, who is still Jimmy Butler, and we see what Jimmy does in the playoffs each and every year, Tobias Harris, and J.J. Redick. Kawhi versus all of them. Nothing. See ya. Get out of here. I'm just saying, why isn't Kawhi in those pictures? Does anyone have any answers for me? Sorry, that really just gets, it, it really bothers me the fact or the way that we discuss the Raptors core and that 2019 team and who we include in the pictures when we're like, hey, he's not even there. Kawhi Leonard made all those dudes money. Kawhi Leonard got Kyle Lowry into the Hall of Fame. Kawhi Leonard got Kyle Lowry. That contract that he signed the year after, Kawhi Leonard got him that. Fred Van Fleet, bet on yourself. You know he got the big boy contract? Kawhi Leonard got him that. Nick Nurse, coach of the year in his first season. NBA champion in his first season. Kawhi Leonard got him that. Masai Ujiri, Masai the god Ujiri. He... He made the big boy trade of all big boy trades to get DeMar DeRozan out, to bring in Kawhi Leonard, and he won, and it won a championship. But that only happens because Kawhi Leonard put in gangster work. And I will be the one to remind everybody, do not diminish the role Kawhi played. And... If you're wondering how we ended up down this road, it's because if you just scroll your timeline, I want you to count how many times you see a photo in which someone is bringing up, hey, look at all the people that aren't on the team anymore from the 2019 team. But the picture that they show you is from the season after the championship. Why? It's my question. Someone in the chat says, and Gasol. Listen, Gasol's in that picture. Gasol was still on that team the next year. We just want to diminish Kawhi, and, I don't, and I'm not going to let people do it. I'm not. I am always going to rep Kawhi, and you should too, Raptors fans. That's all I'm saying. Let's get back to the trade, though, because I could talk about Kawhi forever because Kawhi gave us the greatest sporting moments that we've had as basketball fans in this country. So, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of comments. I'm gonna get to the comments here. My guy August says we now have three first round picks in the 2024 draft. Uh, I'll stop there, but like 
possibly three because it depends on if the Raptors finish in the bottom six, they keep their pick. They finish outside of the bottom six. That pick goes to the Spurs. But I'll continue. The best pick of which will most likely be ours. Um, Not necessarily. But it also, like, one of those picks is, like, the worst out of, like, it's very convoluted. But essentially what I've seen is that that pick will mostly end up being, like, the picks that they got in this deal will most likely end up being uh, in the 20s. Like, late first round, outside of the lottery for sure. But if you ask me, you still have the ability to package that with something else. You still have the ability, you know, if you're going to move Gary Trent or move Dennis, like who knows where you might send that and might be able to get something from another team who might want first round picks. You might be able to package two of those late first round picks to get into the lottery. Who knows? Maybe you send one of those picks to the Spurs and then you remove the protection off of this pick. And then that pick, the best pick that you have becomes yours regardless. There's just so much you could do with multiple first round picks that I like the position the wraps are in. But the question here from August says, uh, do we make a play in push or focus on next year? I think the goal is going to be to do both. Like they're not going to tank they're, You're not going to see them like sit Scotty Barnes or sit quickly or sit RJ. So they're going to let this team rock and they're going to play. And if this team plays well and, and maybe sneaks into the play in cool, they'll accept that you want to see the good vibes in terms of what this team is, but you also, you want to give these guys experience of having the squad of building this core that you now have with Scotty Barnes, Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett. So I think, you know, this is a 41. This is the Raptors 41st game was this one against Miami tonight. And so if you look at that and you say you're at the halfway point of the season, you're using that second half to get a glimpse at what it could be for this new core of the Toronto Raptors team. And the weirdest part of it all is that you're going from playing Kyle Lowry in Toronto to playing DeMar DeRozan the next night. And then next week, Kawhi Leonard is in town with the Clippers. And then Fred Van Fleet's here the first week of February. And then the week after that, Valentine's Day, Pascal Siakam makes his return. Also, might I add, on Saturday, Raptors are in New York to face OG and Anobi and the New York Knicks. So it's like you're getting this past, present, and future like all right back in your face so quickly. It's crazy. So much going on. Let me read some more comments, though. Tammy says, Pascal was the first Raptors jersey I purchased when I first started following the team. I was having children, so no extra money for me once my kids were grown up. Yeah, Pascal. Hold on, there's more here. I finally could get my first, and I chose Pascal. I've always loved his story and his personality. Today, I was on my lunch break when I got the news, and my first text to my husband was, bleep. <laughs> Tammy, I understand. I understand. I get it. Um, Pascal Siakam, the story is great. You know, like Pascal also hearing him speak so much and you know all the things and the adversity that he's been through in his life and how important his family is to him and how much he puts into his Pascal Siakam foundation in terms of doing charity work in the off season and even during the season. 
we know that he announced the scholarship that he had as well at, was it the University of New Brunswick? Like he does a lot. Like he's a really, really good dude that you want to cheer for. You want to root for. And again, you know, you can talk about having the greatest development program, but you don't have a great development program if you don't have the players that are willing to put in the work. And Pascal Siakam was willing to put in the work each and every year to improve his game, to work on something, to add something to his game, to become a better player. So I understand where Tammy's coming from. It's tough. It's very tough. But the reality of winning a championship is that it's hard to keep that team together. And you're going to have to try to retool and reload to try to do it again. And this was just the spot the Raptors were at. And I think Masai Ujiri and company held on for as long as possible before being at this point where they were fully, you know, turning over the core of this team to Scotty Barnes and company. It's tough. More comments. I was bummed to hear that he's leaving. Yeah, I mean, again, totally understand that. Uh, what else do we got here? Uh, if three picks and a player get you an all-star caliber player, can Masai repackage and trade again? I'm sure that's going to be part of uh, the thought process going forward. Um, I think that if you're Masai Ujiri, you now have picks in a draft that you didn't have picks in before. Right? Like there's a possibility that if they fell out of the bottom six, that they wouldn't have their pick this year. And so you'd be going into a scenario where you're essentially rebuilding, but without a pick in the draft until the second round. And now you're going into this draft where as of now, you could have three picks plus arguably the fourth pick or sorry, the first pick of the second round. It's good asset management if you ask me. And again, there's a world where you look at this team and Gary Trent Jr. who balled out tonight, a big time game for Gary Trent Jr., this is now an interesting two weeks for Gary Trent because he could be, a, well, not he could be, he will be a free agent at the end of this year. And, you know, Pascal not being there, OG not being there means he's in the starting lineup. And he took advantage of that tonight with 28 points on 10 of 13 shooting, 8 of 9 shooting from 3, 8 of 9 shooting from 3. That's an interesting one. That's one where I'm interested to see how this plays out because part of Gary deciding to opt in to his player option last off season was with the scenario that maybe he resigns with the Raptors. Maybe he shows out and proves that he can be a starter and key contributor on this team. And then they are able to come to some agreement. The door is open for that. Now, if you look at how this team is constructed and if you say, Okay, well, Gary, there, there's a spot for you to start in this rotation now without Pascal and without OG. And if he, I mean, he's not going to come out and shoot eight threes, hit eight threes in every game. He's not going to have 28 points in every game. But if he shows and proves to be a consistent shooter and scorer, that fits perfectly around Scotty Barnes, around RJ Barrett, guys who are able to get in the paint and get paint touches. Emmanuel quickly, again, three-level score, but having a shooter right beside him, that'd be huge. 
So there's a world where Gary stays, but if he doesn't, you might be able to package one of those first round picks with Gary Trent Jr. and maybe entice a team. Like imagine Gary going to, you know, one of those teams that is maybe looking for to add some depth. Like imagine Gary going to like the Bucks. Right? Those are teams where you could see they're they're a couple pieces away. You know, they need a little bit more having a guard that could play rotation minutes for them in the playoffs. That'd be huge. So yeah, that's what I want to see as well. Can Masai do something with these picks or maybe this just becomes a year Raptors fans where we spend a lot of our time watching college box scores, watching a lot of college basketball to familiarize for the NBA draft this summer where the Raps could have a boatload of selections. That could also be a lot of fun. So a day where the Toronto Raptors trade away one of the best players they've ever had in their franchise, I just think that's an interesting, interesting subplot for sure. Uh, hold on. I'm seeing someone. What is this comment here? Someone wrote Logan on Twitter said, did you see slash talk about the Coloco wave during the pod listening tomorrow? I did not see that news. Is that news that is breaking right now? As we discuss, uh, I'm going to give Twitter a scroll and see what's going down here. But uh, any more comments and questions, feel free to send them into the pod for sure as I think that the Toronto Raptors are in this position now where they're trying to figure some stuff out. Oh, wow. So this from Josh Lewenberg. Josh Lewenberg says, the Raptors have made the Siakam trade official. They had an open roster spot, but in order to add three players, they've waived Christian Coloco, who's been out with an ongoing respiratory issue. Not a lot is known about Coloco's condition, given that it's a private medical issue. The team's been high on the former second rounder since selecting him in 2022, and he showed promise as a rookie last season. But uh, Josh finishes his tweet by saying, hope he's able to resume his career. Wow. I didn't see that coming, but to, to back up what Josh says, it's been an interesting scenario where Christian Coloco, you know, he hasn't really been there hasn't been much talk about Christian Coloco because we just know it's been a respiratory issue. And obviously coming out of what the whole world was dealing with, with COVID-19, there's been a lot less, um, let's say, diving into people's medical issues. And kind of when you hear respiratory issue, everyone kind of backs off and just lets that be in hopes that he's able to get healthy again, right? But now you're in a scenario where you've just been hearing about the same respiratory issue and you need to make tough roster decisions. Maybe it is, you know, he's a lot further away than than people knew because it's not like he was even practicing. It's not like he's checked into any games or anything like that. Like he's just been in street clothes the whole season. So that's a real tough one. And again, the most important thing with Coloco is you just hope that he's healthy again. Um, and this is tough, though. This is a tough one. Um, the other interesting part, like we're talking about what else Masai can package with, um, these picks. 
is the interesting part to me is that if you have the ability to package Bruce Brown, because I think Bruce Brown might be someone who can help a contender as well. I think that's pretty interesting. Bruce Brown can, I mean, you saw his value on the Nuggets championship team. Winning teams, you know, teams that are right there competing for a championship, they need guys that do what Bruce Brown does, which is the dirty work. He'll grab the rebounds. He'll play defense against the other team's top offensive players. He can knock down the open three. He can create a play. Like he's a kind of utility guy that can do a little bit of everything. But imagine putting Bruce Brown, and I keep using the the Bucks as as my example here. But imagine putting Bruce Brown on the Bucks. Right? That's an interesting move. So people are wondering, right? There's, there's, we don't know much about Lewis. I don't know much about Lewis or Nwara. Like, I don't know much about those guys. So it'll be interesting to see what they're able to bring to the Raptors team, but it's tough. I'm still reading more here. Michael Grain says the Raptors announced they have waived Christian Coloco to make room on the roster for three incoming players from Indy. A good point made by Blake Murphy is there's nothing to stop the Raps from signing Coloco to Raptors 905 and continuing his training. His salary is guaranteed for this year. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So that could just be, uh, you know, like a clerical type thing. And there's a world in which he still ends up being a part of the organization while they help him get through uh, his medical issues, which I think is, you know, Again, first and foremost, the most important part of all of this. And I'm sure that there will be more information given when Masai Ujiri and company uh, meet with the media or Bobby Webster and company meet with the media. Because I also think that that's an interesting part of this was after the OG trade, we haven't heard from Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster. And we assume the reason why was because if you... after the OG trade, the first question is going to be, well, what does it mean for Pascal? And they're not going to answer that in front of the media. They don't want to do that. They want to do all their business in private, right? So that part is interesting. Uh, Bobby Marks here says, the Toronto-Indiana trade has been completed. It does not become official until players report and pass a physical. Toronto waived Christian Coloco as part of the trade. The former second-round pick had $1.7 million guaranteed contract this season and a $2 million non-guaranteed contract in 2024-2025. All five players can be traded again, but not aggregated with other salary. Toronto will create another $7.1 million or $10.2 million trade exception if they took Nuara into the Achua trade exemption. Okay. Lots going on contract wise. And I wouldn't be like, I don't think the raps are done. Gary Trent Jr. is a super interesting part. Now, good on Masai Ujiri. I think getting his work done early in terms of the OG and um, Pascal Siakam moves done because I feel like at this point, Everyone knows your situation. What new is going to happen between now and the deadline? Right? Like I saw people asking, why did you have to make this trade now? Could you have not waited to see, you know, if something better came up at the deadline? I don't know if that's the case. You know, I I, I don't know what really would change. I think there's been so much dialogue 
had obviously as you know remember it wasn't that long ago that shams was talking about how the raptors and kings were close and then two hours later the kings have now pulled out of negotiations with the raptors you know so this talk has been happening for a while i just think it's one of those things where it's good to get your work done early because you don't know what smoke screens are going to be thrown up at the trade deadline. And from people who follow the Raptors, right? Fans, especially who are locked into Twitter accounts, you know, looking for every next Woj or Shams bomb. I think you're probably also happy that the Siakam and OG stuff is done before we get into the real silly season, because all we were going to be looking forward to over the next couple of weeks all it was going to be is just more rumors and more and like forget about the actual reporters. We know the actual reporters doing work, but you know what? When you see those like the aggregator accounts that take things out of context and then make that content for their page or when someone puts out a trade rumor, but you have to search and see, wait, who is this person? Where do they work? Oh, okay. They're an actual reporter. Okay. 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 Like that season of trade talk is the most annoying. So I'm for one glad that Masai Jiri has taken care of business early and gotten his big moves out of the way. But I do look forward to see what else could be done for the Toronto Raptors here. Um, what else do people want to talk about? We got a lot in terms of Pascal Siakam. Where do people rank Pascal Siakam in terms of the Toronto Raptors? Like going forward where does he rank all time in the toronto raptors right like me personally and i know a lot of people are going to disagree with this to me Kawhi leonard is the greatest raptor of all time like he won finals mvp for your team and the ultimate goal is winning a championship and he did that but if we're excluding Kawhi, cool and also too while i touch on Kawhi again um the reason why you have Kyle Lowry rated ahead of DeMar DeRozan in terms of greatest Raptor ever was because of Kawhi Leonard. Take a second. Think about that. And yeah, let's keep it moving though. As uh, we keep it going here. I know the Instagram feed went down. Hopefully the people on Instagram just end up joining the feed that is on YouTube or on Twitter. Hopefully, I probably should have put a comment in there. Can I still put a comment here? Yeah, I'm going to do that now. If you still would like to follow or watch this pod, go to YouTube. The YouTube page. Can uh, Hoops daily. Um, you know what would have been fun if we did this pod when, uh, like when this happened live today. That would have been crazy because this trade kind of came like Shams tweeted last night that the Pacers were close and the Pacers were heavily engaged in doing a deal with the Raptors, but they weren't really sure where the Raptors stood. That was Shams last night. And I look at it now and I think, okay, well, I guess Shams was close. Shams was right. Shams was right there. 
He had it last night, but I'll be going to be honest. When I saw it last night, I pause. I pause when I see stuff from Shams now because, well, I mean, first off, remember he tweeted out that the Raptors got Dame Lillard, right? That was the thing that happened. <laughs> so in their race to be first, sometimes mistakes happen. Sometimes, you know, you might be used as a pawn in someone's game here, but it proved to be correct. Pascal Siakam, though, you know, for Raptors fans that miss Pascal already, I'll say this much. I think that what you have to do is you have to just appreciate what Pascal Siakam was for your team and understand that the 2019 championship was the culmination of the Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan era, the pound the rock era, the Dwayne Casey era of Raptors basketball. Right. And the whole point of how that team became one was because you're able to foot put pieces around Kyle and DeMar each and every year while elevating your young bucks drafting. Well, you know, DeLon Wright, Jakob Pertl, Pascal Siakam, OG, Norm Powell, Fred Van Vliet. You're able to build up a bunch of those assets to where they're able to be key contributors to your team or key pieces that were able to help you get Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, Marc Gasol, who became key parts of your championship team. So now the goal is to try to do that again. And, you know, they gave the core of Pascal and Fred and Kyle a long road after the championship, right? Like Kyle got two years after that, right? Freddie got years after that. Freddie signed a nice contract. I mean, talking about people who won, like Freddie's making 40 plus this year, you know, give that man credit. So I think as a Raptors fan, you have to appreciate what Pascal Siakam was. You have to appreciate what he meant to the franchise in terms of the development. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's really awesome. Uh, here we go. We got a, a list here of the top Raptors. Vince, <laughs> I'm not reading this list. This is going to be, because this is just going to be an argument. Vince, T-Mac, Damar, Lowry, Damon, Kawhi, Bosch, Siakam. I got him at eight. <laughs> I can't say that I agree with that comment. I don't agree. Vince, yeah, Vince is a whole other story for another day. Maybe when Vince gets inducted into the Hall of Fame, maybe we'll have that conversation. But uh, yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> See, the fight's already starting. August saying, why his T-Mac on there? <laughs> that is funny. I think my list, though, honestly, goes Kawhi, Lowry, Kawhi, Lowry, Damar, Vince, Bosch. Like to me, Chris Bosch goes ahead of Siakam and Fred Van Fleet. Uh, reason being, I think that Chris Bosch, I mean, he was putting up 20 and 10s, making the all-star team for Toronto and leading them to the playoffs. Like they were a middle of the pack team in the East with just Chris Bosch. And he was doing a lot of work. He just didn't have a lot of help. Like his second best player was Jose Calderon. I don't say that as a knock 
to Jose Calderon. I say that as a matter of fact. All I'm saying is what Chris Bosch did. Imagine if Kyle, if Chris Bosch got Kyle Lowry, right? How would we think of that? And also, like, yes, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Fleet, those guys are awesome. They are key parts of your championship team. That anytime they come back to Toronto, they will get a standing ovation and it's well deserved. But if we're using the term, you know, that Charles Barkley has now made famous in terms of bus drivers and bus riders, the bulk of their work or the bulk of their success, they weren't bus drivers. Right? Like when they were bus drivers, this team, you know, it was a Tampa year. Then it was, you know, it was a post Kawhi year where, you know, it's the COVID bubble year. So how much stock do we want to put into that? I'll leave that for another argument another day. But I'm going to just say that it was the bubble year. I'll say that. And then the year after was the Tampa year. And then we have the post Tampa season, which was how many teams are coming up into Toronto. And you're basically a 500 team, but you got some extra wins that got you up a little in the standings. You end up losing to Philly in the first round. Okay, cool. But not really good years. That might be like the one, the Bosch year of them making the playoffs and losing in the first round as well. You know what I mean? But I think it's interesting. The Bosch versus Siakam one is interesting. Like when you add in the championship and you add in what Siakam did just in terms of like he was a he was a big part of the championship team for sure. He wasn't Kawhi, but he was a big part. Um, it is interesting. You could talk me into it. You could talk me into Siakam being over Bosch. Fred, I don't think so though. Not Fred. But it's it's an interesting list either way. And listen, Fred Van Fleet for me is one of the most beloved Raptors of all time. Fred, Fred's bet on yourself. Fred's leadership in the locker room. Fred is that dude. I'd ride for Fred Van Fleet. I'd be on that guy's team any day of the week, cheer for that guy, root for that guy, have that guy be a leader in my locker room. That guy is a baller. So that's not a knock on Fred. Just making that part clear. But Pascal Siaka, man, like it's a great, great story. And Indiana is going to be super interesting. It's going to be, I'm interested to see how Indiana uses Pascal. I'm interested to see, you know, just where Indy can take it because they've been playing this style that normally we don't really think does well in the playoffs, right? We think that you need to make stops at some point. And we've seen over the years, most recent years, that that kind of has changed as defense, you know, or I should say offense becomes so much has become so much better, right? But still, I'm interested to see what goes on with Pascal Siakam. I'm gonna read this comment from my guy, Mark McDonald. Shout out to Mac, by the way. Doing just always putting in mega work. But I think this is a really good comment, so I'm gonna read it. He said on Twitter, Pascal Siakam deserves so much respect for what he accomplished as a raptor. It is one of the best success stories that we will see. Now it is truly a new era, a lot of options for the future. Yeah, the Pascal Siakam success story, that's that's up there. That is up there. That's a dude that's been through a lot in his life. That's a dude that has worked hard and like made himself better each and every year. It's going to be it's going to be very interesting. 
Uh, shouts to Amit, Amit Man, who says, looking forward to the Pascal, looking forward to the quote, Pacers have unlocked Siakam takes. He's going to cook with that kind of spacing and continue to be hella efficient doing it. Defenses are going to be scratching their heads on how to defend Tyrese, Buddy Heald, and Pascal Siakam. They complement each other very well. Yeah. If you realize, like, Pascal, they already play. Miles Turner likes to play that stretch five. So Pascal at the top of the key with the open key being able to go downhill. I think that's pretty interesting. Wow. August is here talking about after Van Fleet rounding out the top 10, Calderon and JV. Hold on. Jonas Valanciunas cannot be one of the top 10 best Raptors of all time. That can't be a thing. It just can't be. It can't be. I don't know who the top 10 are. I'd have to like sit down and do it, but I feel like I can name 10 Raptors better than Jonas Valanciunas. And I like JV. I do. I do. Just saying. I don't know if I can say that he's top 10. Crazy day in Raptor land, though. We had a big trade. We had a big win. Lots going on in Raptor land. I'm going to have to take some time to like edit this pod because obviously the feed went up, then the feed went down. There's going to be some edits going on for sure in this pod. So bear with me. If you are one of the people that listen to this pod in the morning on Apple or on Spotify, or if you're listening to it like late night, midnight on your way home, overnight shift or something like that, my apologies if it came to you late. I had to do some editing after. But the Raptors were able to win a crazy game. We didn't even really talk much about this game, but I think when you take the step back, realize where this Raptors team was in terms of, I want to say losers of four straight, losers of five of their last six games, getting a big win against a really good Miami Heat team, that's also a dub, right? Big dub. And, you know, 121 to 97 is a whooping. Raptors led this game against the Heat by as many as 37 points. Gary Trent Jr., 28 points on 10 of 13 shooting, 8 of 9 from 3. RJ Barrett adding in 26. You had your man Scotty B putting in 20. Scotty Barnes with 20 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds. Emmanuel quickly. 17 points, nine assists, eight rebounds. Like, I don't know, man. I love quickly, but I, I just love those type of guards. You know, I love the point guards that can, you know, they're, they're shifty, but they can also shoot. Like once he, I'm so interested to see the coaching staff work with him and have him develop the point guard game. Like it's going to be so dope because he has all the skills and talent to do it. Right. And he's athletic enough to play defense He's such a good shooter, whether it's off the dribble or catch and shoot. He can score at three levels. The floater game is dope. And we're seeing him put up assist numbers. And I always point to rebound numbers, especially from guards. Him and RJ both with eight rebounds in this game. I don't know. It's it's very interesting. And I know that the end of this Raptors game, I was, I've been preaching this on this pod since before the Pascal trade. So... Obviously, now this is just heightened even more. The Raptors get a big win against Miami Heat, and that's cool. But for me, the next 41 games of this season is going to be awesome just to see what you have in Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett, and Scotty Barnes. Because this is the official, like, and this week is going to be the passing of the torch week because you're getting 
the past and then now the future just right before our eyes a new era of raptors basketball with scotty barnes being the undeniable face of this team going forward but also with the additions of rj barrett and we're seeing him play so well in his stint so far as a raptor and emmanuel quickly I don't know. It's it's going to be really cool to see. And Dennis Schroeder has done a really good job coming off the bench. I love the veteran presence that he plays for this team. But then also just having the option behind Emmanuel quickly. He can play with them. He can play behind them. I just think like it's, it's really, really good. Jonte Porter, someone we haven't mentioned as well, but he's been thrust into the starting lineup with the injury to Jakob Pertl. What do you have there? Like, there's just so many interesting things to focus in on that might not be directly about wins and losses. And that's really cool. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm super excited to see that and watch the big scoring nights from Quickly or RJ or Scotty Barnes as these kids develop and become the next face faces of this franchise. Because this week, as mentioned, it's going to get like... This is just weird. Like, how did the schedule turn out this way? I have no idea. But it's super strange that the Raptors are playing. They just beat the Miami Heat and Kyle Lowry. Then Thursday night, you got DeMar DeRozan and the Bulls. Saturday, you're heading to New York to take on OG Ananobi and the Knicks. Monday, you got the Grizzlies. But then Friday, you got the LA Clippers and Kawhi Leonard back in Toronto. That's just awesome. That is literally the past version of your team all on different teams now taking on the new version of your team. That's pretty cool. A lot of talk too about the nickname, the Barnes, Barrett, and Quickly, the BBQ. I, I mean, I think I like it. I think I like it. It's kind of easy. It makes sense. You know, it's simple. They cook. It works. It works. Got to come up with some merch ideas for that, though. That's that's what I'm going to task myself with, for sure. Um, that's pretty dope, though. I'm excited. And my excitement, even before the Pascal trade, as mentioned, the Raptors were on a four-game losing streak, okay? Four-game losing streak, as mentioned, losers of five of their last six. A terrible run when you look at wins and losses. But I'd argue that most Raptor fans weren't that upset with that losing streak because the way the team was playing, you could see the signs of like, if you're paying attention, if you watch basketball, you understand basketball. You know, I saw a headline. I'm not going to mention where the headline was from, but I was saying Raptors defensive woes continue as they lose fourth straight to the Celtics. And I'm like, uh, the Celtics average 121 points per game. And the Raptors held them to 105, right? The Raptors lost to a Celtics team that is one of the better teams in the NBA. The Raptors are not that, and they played them tough. So I think that's the things, those are the things you got to focus in on. You know, losing by six points to the Clippers, who are also one of the hottest teams in the NBA, right? We know what happened in the Lakers game. I mean, shouts to Ben Taylor. He's probably the happiest dude around that the Raptors made a trade today because he was able to come into Toronto, 
got booed by the fans a little bit, but coming to Toronto under the radar, because everyone's busy talking about Pascal, that we didn't get to talk a lot about Ben Taylor refing the Raps game for the first time since the debacle that happened in LA versus the Lakers. But either way, this Raptors team, you just have excitement to talk about. And I think that that's a positive spin here. My guy, Tim McAuliffe always says to me, if you're not selling wins, you're selling hope. And I think the Raptors were trying to sell us wins the last few years, but if you're paying attention, you, you kind of knew that the wins weren't going to be there, but now you got hope and that's all you can ask for. And I, I would say it's real hope. I think Emmanuel quickly, you know, those are the risk rewards, you know, risky moves you want from your GM as Masai Ujiri, making trades, bringing in a young guy like that, that, showed a lot of promise, but now he has more room to develop and grow and show how many more things he has in his game, in his arsenal, in his bag, dare I say. Because remember, for the Knicks, it was, you just come off the bench and cook because that's what we need you to do. We need you to score. But now trying to play point guard, point guard, can he play those solid point guard minutes? We shall see. RJ Barrett, I've talked about it at length. R.J. Barrett just miscast in New York, right? With the pressure of being a number three overall pick to a team like the New York Knicks that is, you know, just a rabid fan base, but also a team that hasn't that doesn't normally draft that high because they spent decades trading away their first overall picks despite sucking. But also, the pressures of not being Zion and not being uh, John Morant that pressure that was then placed on RJ, that he's not those guys, but we need you to just stand in the corner and watch Brunson and watch Julius Randle dribble, 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 shoot, 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 while you just stand there. And then when they get double teamed or they get stuck, you better hit that three, RJ. And if you don't hit that three, we're going to say you're not good. But now we get to come to a Toronto Raptors team where there's more ball movement, there's more sharing of the ball. The Raptors had some possessions in this game tonight where the ball was just flying around the perimeter. That was dope to see. Can they do it consistently? That's what's going to be fun. And of course, I mentioned quickly, I mentioned RJ, but Scotty Barnes, the time is now. Scotty Barnes, you know, the push has been there. For Scotty Barnes being the face of this team, but now we're officially there. There's no more Fred. There's no more Nick Nurse. There's no OG. There's no Pascal. It's Scotty. And if I'm being honest, I can't directly tell you right now that this team going forward, Scotty is like the man. Like you're giving the ball to Scotty with the game on the line or when you need a bucket. Like I can't tell you that that's going to be the case long-term. I don't know. But what I can tell you is the thing that I look forward to is that you have a guy in Scotty Barnes who's shown his ability to be able to contribute in so many different ways, right? He can score. He can get in the post and take advantage of mismatches when he has smaller defenders on him. He's shown you this year that he's developed his three-point shot. If you leave him open, he's going to take and make threes. He's shown you 
that even as a big guy at like 6'10", he has a handle. He can bring the ball up the floor. He's shown you flashes of his passing ability. He'll give you one or two no looks a game, right? But he's shown his ability to do so many different things because we see the weak side blocks. We see the steals in passing lanes. We see him defending the other team's top offensive player. We've seen him on the glass grabbing mega rebounds. We've seen him do so many things. And I think that now, like having the timeline match up with two other young pups like Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett, Scotty can now settle in and figure out what he can do, which one of his skills will better serve the rest of this team. Is it being the defensive stopper and being the rebound guy, being the bully in the paint, getting sparing minutes playing, you know, point guard when have to with the bench, right? Is it scoring late? Is it, you know, playing the, I'm using this as an example, not saying their games are the same, but when KG went to the Celtics, right? Or even when Mark Gasol came to the Raptors, those are guys that can score, but for the betterment of the team, they figured out how to fill in, right? And maybe take their skills and and, and use their skills in a way that better serves the team because the team is lacking in another area, but you can do that. So you're going to help that. That part's going to be cool. Because Scotty's so talented. I shouted out my dude Easy the other day, who I saw him uh, at the barbershop when shouts to Beals, who used Beals' track for the opening tonight on Sportsnet, uh, reversing the wheel. I know that Beals has more coming out soon, so stay tuned for that. But when I was talking to Easy at the video shoot, Easy was saying, you know, Scotty is so good that was almost like a negative because you don't know what to tell him to work on because he's so good at everything. So like, how do you go into an off season and say, Hey, this is what we need you to work on because it's a little bit of everything because he can do everything. Like, is he going to be playing the four? Is he going to be playing the three? Is he going to be playing the point guard? Like those are all different skill sets. When normally as a player, you go into the off season and the team can give you a focus. Like this is what we need you to do. Exactly. These are the things we need you to work on exactly. Whereas Scotty, that's been tough the last couple of years because he's been, you know, is he point guard? Is he not a point guard? Well, now with quickly now with RJ and you know, you're going to give this, we think they're going to give this team a little bit of runway here. How does he fit in with those other two players? That's going to be awesome. That makes me excited. That makes me happy to be able to say that, Hey, my job is doing Raptors openings and then talking about it on this podcast. That's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun. And I thank y'all for tuning in with me. We got more comments here. Uh, question, when total prediction for this season, oh, win total prediction for this entire season, follow-up question, premature win total prediction for next season? Come on. No, nah, we're not. Next season? No, 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 no. Come on. This I, Again, even projecting the win total for this season, uh, the start of the year, what was it? Like 36 and a half, 37 and a half, something like that. And I said, take the over because I thought they'd be around 500. Listen, we're halfway through the season and they're 16 and 25. 
so 500 isn't out of the isn't out of the the this world i mean you'd have to go on a really good run at some point you know like have a streak of six to seven in a row something like that hey maybe get the pizza party darko's promise or dinner darko's promised right but again i think that the win total this season isn't that important you want to focus in on the development. You want to focus in on is Emmanuel quickly showing you that you can give him the keys and he will be the starting point guard of the future. Is RJ Barrett showing you, hey, Toronto will definitely be a better place for him to develop and show a lot of the promise that he showed as being one of the top college players, being one of the top high school players in the world. And even if he's not, I still stand on the fact that what he's doing right now is pretty damn good still and pretty useful for a team like the Raptors. And is Scotty Barnes, can he be that face of the franchise? So much to talk about. So much that's intriguing, including the next couple games. And I know I went long on this pod. Maybe I'll break it. I don't know. I'll figure it out. But we talked about the trade. We talked about the game. Lots going on for sure. Hope you enjoyed this pod. We'll be back with you in less than 24 hours as the Raptors take on the Chicago Bulls and DeMar DeRozan. Hopefully the Raptors save some of that shooting for another night. We'll have more time to digest the Pascal trade. Obviously, there'll be a lot more that trickles out as you know the Coloco news is tough news because I didn't know that was a thing until that happened and the trade was finalized. But listen, I, I just think this is an interesting, interesting time for the Toronto Raptors organization. And I think Masai Ujiri, his goal clearly has been more focused on trying to retool as opposed to rebuild. And I think he's done a pretty good job of it. I really do. If you think about it, right? If you really think about it, what we've seen from Masai Ujiri and company is the fact that they have traded away, like if you talk about assets and, and rebuilding the team, I think that you look at uh, here we are, I'm trying to look something up as I'm talking on the pod, but I think when you look at what the Toronto Raptors have, have been trying to figure out, okay, you had, you got to take a step back and realize Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi were two expiring contracts. Meaning, if you're not going to re-sign them, they could just walk for nothing at the end of the year. We saw how that went last season. The Raptors were able to turn those expiring contracts into Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett, Bruce Brown, Jordan Nawara, Kira Lewis, three first-round picks, and a second-round pick. I know that if you look at that and you just say, well, OG and Pascal... Pascal's an all-star, all-NBA. Like, if you look at it from that viewpoint, but I told you you got quickly and you got RJ, those are two nice young pieces plus three first-round picks and a second to get things moving. And I think the Bruce Brown play here is interesting because I feel like you could turn Bruce Brown into something else here. I don't know. I'm excited. I hope you are too. I'm going to stop talking on this pod because it's almost like I could keep talking for until the next pod starts. <laughs>
until the Bulls game starts. But that's just how interesting times it, the these are for your Toronto Raptors. As mentioned earlier, a big win over the Miami Heat, 121-97, but an even bigger day because of a big trade in Raptor land as they send Pascal Siakam to the Indiana Pacers in a trade coming back the other way, highlighted by three first round picks as well as Bruce Brown and, you know, a couple prospects interested to see what these prospects become too, right? You never know. You just never know. Masai Ujiri has done it before. He's done it again. I think just what the haul the Raptors have been able to make here for these expiring contracts, it's putting you in the right direction. And I never really listened to, you know, oh, this draft coming up is not good. Who knows? You never know. And no matter what, there's always guys in every draft. It's just up to your scouting team to find them. And if there's a, a, a scouting team or front office that has been able to prove that they can or they deserve our trust in seeing what they're able to do, it's the Toronto Raptors. I mean, the other part of this, talking about the core going forward, we still don't even know if Grady's a part of that. Like, what I mean is, will he be a, a player contributing to that core, right? Like, is he, you know, can he be a starter with those guys going forward? We don't know, right? He could be. We don't know. The other part I find funny is I'm seeing more tweets talking about what Masahi Jiri has done with these assets. I keep forgetting to name that they also traded away Precious Achu and Malachi Flynn. I'm sorry for that because, you know, those are parts of who's in, who's out, right? Like Goner, Pascal Siakam, OG and Anobi, Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn. Those are just facts, right? Now, if you ask me, I think that, you know, well, I was watching a video the other day of a Knicks fan. It looked like a Knicks pod, and he didn't seem to be too happy with Precious Achua already. And it's only been like eight games. Uh, what did the Knicks do tonight? I saw OG. Uh, I saw another thing about OG playing mega minutes for the Knicks again. The Knicks were able to pull out a victory 109 to 94 over Fred Van Vliet in the Houston Rockets. OG and Anobi with 15 points, five of 10 shooting, five rebounds. <laughs> he led the Knicks with 43 minutes. <laughs> Yo. All I'm going to say that about this, Tibbs, is Tibbs is going to love OG because he plays defense, and I get that. But Raptors fans know that playing OG and Anobi 40-plus minutes a night might not be conducive to OG's long-term production. But hey, interested to see how that plays out. More power to OG. More power to y'all for tuning into this pod I appreciate y'all for sticking with me through power outages. <laughs> like, what a weird thing. And magically, this has stayed on since, so I don't really know what the problem was. So it's not like I can address it and fix it and do something different. But I appreciate y'all for rocking with me through the power outages and finally being able to get this pod up to discuss the Pascal Siakam trade and a massive win for the Toronto Raptors. Again, we will be back live after the Raptors Bulls on Thursday night. 
We'll be here to discuss. Join us live. Send in your comments and questions. Multiple places you can do that. Live and interactive on YouTube, Canada Hoops Daily. Make sure you subscribe there. Like the video. Send in your comments. We'll read them on the pod. Same thing goes for the Instagram feed, at Canada Hoops Daily. And on Twitter, at can hoops daily those are the places where you can interact with the show live send in your comments and questions tell me how you feel about the pascal siakam trade where pascal ranks all time in the toronto raptors what your favorite pascal siakam moment is you know all of these things i want to hear from you let me know what you think big week ahead for the toronto raptors we'll be here to break it all down I promise that I will do my best to get the pod up after the game. But thank y'all for rocking with me. I appreciate that. And, you know, there's stuff I say at the end of the pod, and I know it sounds like a catchphrase or something like that, but they really are true lines, like the unpolished and unapologetic, right? Like we went down twice. The power just cut off (laughs) and we're back up and there's still mad people in the chat waiting. And I appreciate y'all for that. I really, really do appreciate y'all for rocking with me here on the pod because I wouldn't be doing it without y'all. A reminder, keep an eye out to the Canada Hoops daily social feeds as there'll be more content coming in different forms. So stay tuned for that. More stuff on the way as well. Huge shouts to you, the fans. Huge shouts to Masai for just making crazy deals and making moves and retooling this Raptors team, bringing some excitement back to the Raptors because it was some tough times in December. I can't lie to y'all. So big times here on the Raptors pod. We'll be here to do it again because as I always say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is Canada Hoops Daily Presents Wrap It Up Podcast coming to you live and interactive after each and every Toronto Raptors game and then afterwards on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, which is very soon. See ya!